Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So it's the new year, and I'm desperately keen that we not make a list of predictions. Can, can we please not do the, the state <laughs> of Agile in 2024 or, um, you know, what were the seven things that we think are going to affect the world? This I've just had too many of those. Can we skip that, Jeffrey? <laughs> okay, apparently you and I are on different mailing lists because mine have been blissfully free of that. Uh, so, But I completely understand. It sounds like you've been a bit o- overexposed to uh, everyone's predictions of the future. Certainly, and I did one, and and people can go read my mailing list if they want to hear what my predictions. But I'm I'm predictioned out. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it's good. I'm I, instead of prediction, I have a thought about reflection. And in the past year, in 2023, I think there was one. Uh, surprisingly, there was something that was a big story for the year that actually did seem to affect me personally. And I and I'm actually kind of. This may lead us to some thoughts about the future, but this whole topic of LLMs, uh, large language models, and uh, ChatGPT and generative AI, I actually think there was something pretty big there. And while it's been discussed a a lot, um, I think it actually had some interesting uh, elements to it that I haven't heard discussed much, um, particularly respect to the kind of things we talk about in this podcast. So uh, would you be willing to, to reflect back a bit? And if that leads us to the future, that's fine. It's not a top 10 list, though. Uh, as long as it's not a top 10, no, no, what's coming this year. That's great for me. And uh, I, I think we've been refreshing, at least it's refreshing to me when I record these with you, that, that we haven't kind of overexposed on this. So, so this is probably our second commentary on use of large language models in a year in which they were the kind of top technical story in every outlet. So... Uh, I, yeah. I think we're we're scoring pretty well. Let, let's try it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the large language models, and I'll maybe expose a bit about how I what I've done with them this year, uh, or what we've done with them in my organization, which is I have a data science group that reports to me, and we're becoming kind of the internal experts for us on uh, LLMs, and then we were also looking to see how could we democratize knowledge and use of LLMs. And so there was a deliberate initiative within the company to, to boost people's knowledge and awareness and, um, and even use of, of the technologies. And one of the things that I personally did was um, I tried to use the LLMs as a, to see how they were as a communication tool. And um, so I took one of the case studies that you and I have talked about uh, in the past, which is the Ted and Paula case study. Um, this is something that, that we got from uh, Roger Schwartz in his Ground Rules for Effective Teams. And it's an example of a, a difficult conversation. Ted and Paula don't agree about how a presentation went, and uh, the, the Paula I- isn't saying it. <laughs> and Yeah, that's the, right. The, the goal of the exercise when you do it yourself, we do this with audiences often, is to get the audience to think of ways that as Paula, you could say more of what you're thinking. So that's just the setup of, of what Jeffrey's talking about. Keep going. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's actually called the Withholding Information Case Study. Uh, Roger Schwartz also uses it in his book, The the Skilled Facilitator. We'll link to it in our in our show notes. I think we have it somewhere. It's, it's certainly, it's in uh, it's in lots of his books. Anyway, we'll find it. Go ahead. Yeah. So it, um, it, it, what's really interesting is the case is everyone, um, of course, reads the case in, in our two-column case study format that we talk about in our book, um, and that also is in, is in this book, uh, the right-hand column, which has the dialogue, is very placid. Um, it, there's really not a lot going on. You know, Paul's asking, "Well, how do you think it went?" 
you know, and asking some questions. But everything doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of conflict there in a way that's totally normal and natural. When I, when I do the role play and I only speak out the right-hand side, people are like, yeah, that sounds like that's a conversation that happens all the time. But when it you sounds look like a good conversation, column, like it's effective and, yeah. and everybody's happy. Then you read the left-hand column and you see the seething, boiling lava <laughs> underneath. <laughs> That's right. It's a totally different story. There's, it's uh, it's, it's um, very all kind of emotional energy going on. And acting that out, you know, the internal voice, you can tell kind of the the, the upsetness that's going on, the, all the energy and emotion that's being withheld. And it's just not part of the dialogue. And, and what we talk about on this uh, podcast and in our book is about how to how to bring more of that into the conversation so you can have an actually productive conversation with productive conflict. Different views can evolve. So it's a very nice teaching tool. So I tried feeding it into ChatGPT to see if it would how it would work. And I tried to get it to say, you know, I'm Paula and here's what I'm thinking and feeling. You know, what what should I say? And what I found was it actually gave like really good advice. Like what it it its version of Paula would have shared all those things. And I and I actually kind of struggled a bit to try to get it to role play Paula, not wanting to say things. Yeah. So trying to be the original Paula who's doing a bad job and isn't sharing information. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid conflict. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and trying to think of all the, the reason justifications. And while it would modify the wording, it still kept, you know, it just found good ways to bring those elements in. And so it one thing that uh, it made me think about is the the future of these kind of uh, agents as a potential conversational partner as as a way to help people practice their conversations also to get advice. You know, I want to send this email to this person. I'm really angry and here's what happened to to see as as ways to help coach people through cuz I can do it and certainly you've done it with people one-on-one. But they often struggle to do it on their own. You know, this is why we have the exercises we do to the, can build those skills. And I just thought it'd be really interesting to see LLMs become a, a, a more common part of people's uh, toolkit for productive conversations. And and maybe even expanding that, what could it, how could they do as a as a you know maybe a facilitator in a group conversation? So that's kind of as I'm looking back at the at the year and thinking about something that was really very different this year than other years and that i think has big promise for the future that's what that's what comes to mind for me well that's interesting Uh, now i also have started to recommend to my coaching clients rather than finding a local eight-year-old which is one of my favorite pieces of advice because eight-year-olds are very good, first of all, at pretending, and second of all, at being annoying. Um, so if you want to have somebody <laughs> pretend to be your annoying boss, an eight-year-old is a really good candidate. But also people in your life, um, colleagues who know the person or, or maybe who don't know the person but know you, there, there are lots of good conversation partners that I've been recommending for a long time for people to practice a difficult conversation, a trust conversation that you want to have with a, a stakeholder like customer service or something like that. Um, or the tech team when you're wanting to uh, agree on deadlines or or some difficult conversation, those folks can be very helpful. Um, And uh, I have said, now try out one of the large language models. I tend to send people not to chat GPT for a reason I'll say in a moment, but I tend to send them uh, to character.ai, which I am told, and I have anecdotal evidence, but certainly nothing concrete, I haven't tried it very much, is better at pretending to be somebody else. So um, you can have a conversation there with Einstein or um, uh, Richard Feynman or uh, somebody <laughs> like that. I think there, there's kind of these preset characters, but if I understand it right, which I may not, and I would love 
listeners to tell me what their experience is. And maybe there are better ones out there. These things are cropping up all the time. Uh, the, the experience is that you can you can tell it a bit about the, the person you want, the person who might be difficult, the person who uh, seems to you to be recalcitrant, unwilling to uh, budge on a deadline or give you more information about a, a client or something like that. And, and it'll play that better. It's kind of designed to be a player. If, if character.ai isn't it, this is where the the future is. So okay, fine. We're in prediction mode. Uh, you you got me there eventually. But the, <laughs> uh, uh, this is where one of the things, one of the several things that that large language models are actually good at. They're terrible at writing. Please don't write anything and put it on the internet or write your homework or anything like that with these things. They're boring as heck. Not to mention they make stuff up. But <laughs> most important, they just write the lowest common denominator of the internet, which is not a very high common denominator. But here's the the thing. They're very good at making stuff up. So let's use that. And let's have them be actors. And I really find them effective at that purpose, for that purpose. The problem with the ones that are generic, like ChatGPT and Bard and the new one, Gemini, which apparently is fake or something. Google was uh, messing up their video, but <laughs> is, is supposed to be really revolutionary. All of these are carefully trained. It's part of the, the production of these models uh, is that they are um, fine-tuned uh, to be extremely helpful to share information, to give you more, it, you know, you ask it, is uh, Rio de Janeiro the capital of Brazil? And it says, no, and let me tell you why. Here's the actual capital, and here's when it was built. It gives you a lot of extra information. It's supposed to do that. Um, because it was essentially given electric shocks if it didn't um, during its training. <laughs> so uh, the um, I'm not surprised at all that it can be helpful and that it struggles to not be helpful. You have to train it in a different way to get this, um, to really get this ability to act unhelpfully. And 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 I think that's the, what what you had told me was your big concern is uh, while while um, we do tell people to be more transparent and more curious, but there's also times where you have to you know share your own views and advocate that you're going to do something that people don't want to do. And I you the you know the phrase disappointing people helpfully, and I think that's the the thing where you think that the models just aren't tuned in such a way to assert a position that you know I'm sorry I'm not going to get to B because I'm doing A. We you know we agreed that that's a higher priority or it's a higher priority to me so therefore you know i'm i'm doing a and not b you think that that just doesn't fit in in the in, in the the current robot mindset that the lms would be like oh you want me to be okay fine sure i'll go do that instead <laughs> or they'll they'll, they'll say uh, an awful lot of what what we would call and what chris argerus who originated all this stuff would call easing in so mm. um, because they're trained to be so polite and so helpful you have to think of the the tools that you find commercially that are commonly available like ChatGPT as kind of um, uh, subservient, as servants. And they're trained to act that way and you notice that in their responses. And, and so I would expect that it might say, you know, I'm terribly sorry. Um, you know, if we could hire some more people, we'd be able to do uh, the, the thing that you would like. Uh, we're we're going to do this instead, but uh, it really breaks my heart. Whereas that right. may not be how you actually feel, and it is not the most effective way to disappoint someone helpfully. It's much more effective to uh, boldly and clearly assert that uh, the, the uh, priorities have shifted, that their item is less important and something else is more important and why. And not to uh, give a lot of um, 
apologies and easing in and trying to make the other person feel good because you're not trying you're, you're you don't actually want the other person to feel good that's not sharing <laughs> what you have in your left hand column what you are actually thinking and feeling now if you really do feel that way that's that's great and the the tools probably can help you with phrasing if that's something you struggle with but most of us don't most of us struggle with coming in and saying hey jeffrey we're not recording a podcast today it's more important that i shovel the the the, the garden because uh, there's been 10 inches of snow here in britain there hasn't but if there were that would be the sort of thing <laughs> that i think jeffrey would find most helpful because then he could say great i'm gonna go surfing he doesn't live in britain <laughs> um <laughs> someplace where he could do that and um uh, that would be more helpful than me spending five minutes apologizing to him before i told him that so that's not what i'm gonna see these uh, models doing yet now Two weeks from now, somebody may invent something new. It is uh, a new year, and we've had a lot of revolution in the, in the past year. But uh, right now, if you want to practice having difficult conversations, which if you listen to us at all, you know we really want you to do, use them but with caution. Try to get them to play uh, a, a difficult role to be the difficult character um, uh, if you can. Um, but uh, you're still, I think, going to need uh, some human help at the moment uh, to learn how to disappoint people helpfully as assertively as you probably need to. Yeah, I would love to hear people's feedback on that because, and, and I, one thing I'll say is, is it also would love to hear people if you go and uh, help and try to get it to help you and what, what you say, you know, put all your context in, put all your left hand thoughts in, all the things that important. you're yes. struggling with. Don't 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 try to draft. Don't try to give ChatGPT your draft, but instead give it all your context and see what it comes up with. And I want to see if if you had the experience I did in the role play, which is. Actually, it was better and braver about bringing in some of the elements than you might have been yourself. Um, I think, uh, and I'll be curious to scroll if your point about the lack of confrontation is something that people see. But I, I do think this is an area that, uh, as I look back on on 2023, was one of the most interesting things to happen in terms of communication, and I think could have a big uh, impact going ahead into 2024 and beyond on communication and, and teamwork. Uh, and the kind of things that we talk about. So really, I'm I'm hoping this is something that our listeners go and test, and then write in and tell us, like, yeah, it was great, or no, it was terrible, and 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 here's why, because I think there's a a lot of potential here. We would really love to hear from you if you're doing anything with these tools. Um, if you are writing documents that people read, but please don't write to us using ChatGPT. I, I think that would probably be <laughs> terribly boring. Um, so please write to us in your own voice. Um, but uh, I would, we would sure love to hear from you if you are using them to practice. And if maybe you've been inspired by us to go and try it. What are your results when you... Uh, ask it to the the tool to be a a, a boss or a, a difficult employee or um, uh, somebody that you're having a difficult conversation with. What do you see? What results do you get? Where this is an experimental world, uh, we're no longer writing deterministic programs here, so we're going to have different results. We're going to have different outcomes. And, and I know Jeffrey and I are going to continue experimenting in this area. We we'd sure love to hear what you think. You may also think this is the dumbest idea ever, and, and you think that um, you know humans are, are never going to be replaced by computers for, for human conversation. That would also be an interesting point of view. And we'd love to hear all of that from you. The way to get in touch with us, of course, is at agileconversations.com. We, we post on X. We're trying out other things. Tell us where else we should so you can find us there. We would love to hear from you. And, and of course, there you'll also find uh, our book and free videos and material for practicing conversations and a whole bunch of other good stuff. Uh, so we'd really like to see you at agileconversations.com. 
And the other way to keep in touch, of course, is whether you use ChatGPT to summarize us or not, uh, uh, to come back next Wednesday when we'll have another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.